Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the UI Breakfast Podcast. I'm your host, Jane Portman, and today our guest is Brian Ray, product strategist and founder of Feature Audit, and we're going to talk about SaaS feature audits today. This episode is brought to you by Abstract, design workflow management for product design teams using Sketch. Like GitHub, but for designers, Abstract is your team's version control source of truth for design work. Sign your team up for a free 30-day trial today by heading over to goabstract.com. Hey, Brian. How's it going, Jane? Doing great. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's my pleasure. I've been a fan of your work for a while. It's great to be here. Wonderful. So before we get started, can you tell us a bit more about yourself, what kind of work you do, and how you ended up uh, having a software product uh, related to features? Yeah, yeah, you bet. Um, well, so you know, to, right now I'm doing um, product strategy and consulting for startups, and I'm I'm based here in Boulder, uh, Boulder, Colorado, but I have clients in New York and California and Texas, which is which is just a whole lot of fun. Gives me a chance to um, hop around from from time to time, which I which I really enjoy uh, and love working with with folks from all sorts of different uh, different areas. Um, but the way that I the way that I got into this and got into product uh, was you know six or seven uh, yeah six or seven years ago now. I was living um, in Dallas, Texas, uh, working as a freelancer doing uh, doing web development. And uh, my, my wife and I just loved Colorado. We've always loved Colorado and uh, found ourselves vacationing out here often, as many people do. And on one of our drives back to the Dallas area, we just looked at each other and said, you know, people live out here. And, uh, and so we, we could try that. Um, so I, I built this goofy little site um, at the time called HireBrianRay.com. And it was just a really, uh, it was my best attempt at uh, kind of making some jokes about how um, how hot uh, the temperature was in Dallas, and how much we loved uh, Colorado. And um, also, <laughs> also here, here's my portfolio. I also build websites. Um, is there somebody I could help out? And I reached out to uh, reached out to a guy, um, Brad Feld, um, who's like the godfather of of startups in the Boulder area. And uh, many people, you know, um, you know, are, are familiar with him, and uh, he's, he's pretty influential. And just as a total lark. I just emailed him and said, Hey, Brad, if there's anyone who can make this happen, it's you. If you were to tweet, you know, someone should hire brianray.com. I'm sure, you know, it would happen. Sent it off and just totally forgot about it. Um, or, you know, didn't, just didn't expect anything to come of it and just kept grinding at sending cover letters to, to startups in, uh, in Boulder <laughs> and Denver. And then one, one, uh, one, you know, middle of the night, I was feeding my, feeding my newborn while my wife, you know, got some sleep. Um, and uh, I just I looked at my iPad and I had you know hundred notifications on my email. I was like, what in the world is going on? Scrolled to the uh, to the very end of it and it was a reply back from Bradfeld saying, "Tweeted, good luck, buddy," or something <laughs> something to that effect. And so um, yeah, through it, it was just a uh, a whirlwind of a couple of weeks there of of getting to chat to a bunch of different startups out here. And eventually joined a an incredible team um, at a company called Macavo. That was a TechStars uh, company, foundry back. Just had a brilliant leadership team and just a great team. Um, and and joined up with them. And so it was it was through that it was through that process of working um, at Macavo of going from front end developer to to lead uh, UX lead and eventually into a, a product executive role 
that that's where I really fell in love with what I do now, which is product strategy and jobs to be done and, you know, identifying, um, you know, priorities and, uh, yeah, how to, how to design a, an effective roadmap that a, that a team can follow. Wonderful. What was your value proposition back then when you got that storm of clients? Because <laughs> yeah. typically, you know, we're all like, it's, it's a typical beginner mistake to hope that someone famous is going to tweet about you and yeah. like the world will turn upside down. I'm yes. surprised it worked for you. So yes. what did you do right? <laughs> yeah, that's a, I, I actually, I, I've, I, I wrote about this um, on, on Brad's blog, actually. He asked me to, to do a oh. guest thing. So if people, <laughs> if people would, if you, if you Google, um, I think, hire Brian Ray one year later, um, I go into a little bit more depth on exactly kind of what what you say. Like, why why did this work? I'm I'm under no you know illusion um, <laughs> that you know you can you know definitely mastermind that sort of thing. There was a fair amount of of luck and timing and everything that went into it. Um, but but at the time, I think a couple of things worked. Um, one was that uh, you know the the site as I built it, it told a it told a a story. Um, and, uh, I got, I got some help with the, um, you know, got, got some feedback on it from my, from my wife and everything. He was really good at kind of edit, ed- editing. And so I, I tried to make it much more like an interesting story. Here's a, here's a family, um, and, you know, try to put some jokes in there and kind of let the temperature of Texas versus the mountains of Colorado kind of guide you through. But anyway, a, a story unfolded. It wasn't just like, Hey, here's all my stuff. Um, and, but of course I included here's my, and here's my portfolio, here are my skills. And, um, and, uh, and I added some things just about, you know, personality and culture. Here's here's my reading list. What's your reading list? Are we a fit for each other? Um, just to try to touch on, you know, multiple things. Um, it, it also, and, you know, I, warranted warranted or not there was enough technical ability demonstrated in the site itself um and some (laughs) and some design integrated as well that i I had enough you know of the companies that were like oh this this guy's a a front end or he's like a design and development unicorn um we have to we have to you know jump on it and um i'm much more skeptical of my my development skills um than, than those companies were but but there was there was definitely a positioning piece there that that worked um and and then as for the, the email to brad feld i was just very direct you know and and said look you're a busy guy this is what i'm asking you to do here is how you can help me will you help me um important people don't have time uh to read a big long thing you know you need to be um if you're asking somebody of influence for help be very direct and ask them for help um they they either want to help and have time or want to help and don't have time um either way they don't have time <laughs> or or I, either either way they they, <laughs> they want they need to get to you know you, you need to respect their time as much as possible is what i mean to say there so i think those are the elements of it that that worked Totally true. Like, as a side note, those masking uh, attempts to mask your outreach effort, they never work. They look quite miserable. So going like short, brief and direct is the best strategy. Totally. That's right. Sharing the sentiment. So back to your product and consulting work. Um, What what what's your typical client? What exactly do you do for them? Yeah. Yes. So, uh, so my, my typical client, um, is a, a startup who is still searching for product market fit. And so, um, I've, I've had a number of clients who have, um, you know, a, a good idea of who their customer is. Um, and they have, you know, a lot of clarity 
um, well, that's, that's a bit of an oxymoron. Um, they, 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 <laughs> they know if they had all of the resources in the world um, and could fast forward two years, they know exactly what, what their product would do. Um, but in the present day, with limited time, money, energy, and no customers, okay, Brian, what, what are the first four things that we should build or what's, what's the one primary, you know, customer journey that, that we need to create. That's, that's my typical customer, um, who, uh, you know, probably doesn't have any, uh, users yet, or if they do, you know, they're not, you know, hockey stick product market fit, raising tons and tons of money. Um, they've got, uh, either, you know, um, a couple of, of interested people that they're dying to put, the first version of something in front of uh, to start learning, or they've got that first thing out, but it's not exactly hitting yet. And so what I can come in and do is help them understand their customers um, even a little bit better from that additional, you know, from that um, additional, giving them some additional perspective there, uh, but helping them to, to figure out, okay, how do we prioritize of the, of the things that you're, of the things that you're imagining that you're going to do, either because you've done some research yourself or you're, you are your own customer, um, they've got domain expertise and know that these are the things that it ought to do, or they have a handful of customers who are asking for things. Um, the, the, you know, the process of figuring out how to prioritize and um, know what to say yes, uh, yes to and what to say you know, not now, not yet to is, is quite hard. And so that's what, that's what I often end up helping folks with. What's your secret sauce as a consultant? Do you have any special process to help those struggling uh, startups? Yeah, I, I think. I mean, I think the secret sauce is um, this is why you know consultants can get a bad rap, but but I, I really do think that, <laughs> that, the, that the value the value of pulling somebody else in with that additional perspective is that um, I always try to start with no um, on on everything. Um, and so, um, you know, being able to tell, being able to help the entrepreneur say to themselves, you know, um, it, yes, of course it would be better if it included this. Um, but we're going to say no, and we're going to force that feature or that additional thing that you're wanting to do. We're going to force it to make a really, really strong case for itself. We can't just respond emotionally. Yes, right now let's, let's do this and let's figure out how to slip it in, um, and make it work within the budget. No, we're going to say none of these things are coming through. What, what are the few things that make a very, very, very strong case for themselves, either because they keep coming up or every single customer is asking for it. They're telling us it's extremely important and they're very unsatisfied with their current solution. Um, and so I think, I think offering that, um, <laughs> uh, that, that push um, and that kind of uh, that, that perspective is, um, is, is most helpful. That's wonderful. And that's also a perfect stepping stone for our main topic, which is, uh, which is feature audit, and which is also the name of your software product, which obviously is supposed to help uh, software companies prioritize and figure out what exactly makes, uh, makes them uh, makes the most value for their brings the most value for their users, and so on and so forth. Tell us more about that. Yeah, yeah. So um, feature feature audit uh, is a a tiny little analytics tool that helps you make better product decisions in seconds. And the way that it, the way that it helps you do that is that um, it, it plots each of your features on a chart that will show you um, how many people 
are using a feature and how often. So um, are all of your users using something very little of the time? Are all of your users using something all of the time? Or on the other side, are very few of your people using a feature but using it all the time or very little of the time? Um, and so, and, and everything in between. And if any of the listeners have ever seen, um, Hans, Hans Rosling's Ted talks, um, where he's got those, you know, beautiful bubble charts, you know, moving across time, um, that that's, that's what feature audit is, is modeled after because it's, uh, it allows you to see the movement of a particular feature on those quadrants over time. And so if anybody goes, if you go to featureaudit.com, then you can click a little green button that says see it in action and you can kind of get a, a sense of, of what it does. Um, the, 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 uh, you know, the, the original, um, I, idea or the, the germ for where this came from was, um, when, you know, when I was, uh, head of product at, at Macavo that, that startup I was talking about, there'd be a lot of times in, in conversations, where there'd, there'd be an argument over um, a bug, you know, that came through, and um, and you know what what sort of priority should that should that particular bug get? Um, and even at the time, you know, I was um, also kind of from a position of um, we're not going to we're not going to prioritize it until it makes an argument for itself. We've we've set our priorities. We're going to work on those things. We're not going to do this just because you know a couple of people are trying to set off a fire alarm. Um, and, and being able to get very, very quickly to that answer of, okay, well, somebody reported a bug on this feature. How many people are using it and how often? Because uh, if you know, 5% of our customer base is, is using it, that's actually not a very important thing, even if it's part of the, you know, part of the core. Um, and uh, and I'm sure you know, people might be able to relate to this. Usually, the, you, you can currently get to the answer of that, of that question without feature audit, but it usually is some combination of Google Analytics, you know, clicking three layers deep, or um, you know, a, a batch of SQL queries uh, where you got to wait on your, on your backend guys and, um, to, to get that answer back to you, you know what I mean? And so my uh, my goal with feature audit is with a tiny you know JavaScript set, uh, snippet, you'll be able to to see that answer in in just a few just a few seconds. So one of my questions that I had prepared for you was um, how do you recreate this similar functionality without your tool? Yeah, because uh, uh, you know. Um, of course, it's great to have a tiny little snippet that solves everything, but you just mentioned that the actual workaround is very painful, digging through queries and so on and so forth. Yeah, that's well. So that's my that's my hypothesis, Jane. Is is that um, is that analytics tools um, have been around for long enough um, that they have, in a lot of ways, they have over matured, and so they are very, very, very feature rich. Um, uh, which which yes. can be which can be great yes. which can be good, <laughs> um, but as we know, uh, oh well, gosh, you. I mean, this is like your whole <laughs> uh, your whole thing with with UI, right? Is that as things become feature rich, they become harder to use, and so my my hypothesis here is okay. I want to dramatically underdo Google Analytics um, on purpose. Um, I'm going to underdo Analytics. Um, on purpose to get to a very specific 
answer in a few seconds. And then, and this, this is the part of the product that I'm still working on and developing is, and then allow my customer to reach out to those users in a very, you know, simple and and seamless way. So if you identify that very few of the people are using a particular feature all of the time, well, it'd be nice to be able to get four or five of them on the phone and get some qualitative feedback on, okay, what, what exactly is this going on here and how can we um, how, how did you adopt this feature and what can we learn from that so that we can get more people to adopt the feature and move it from few of the people all of the time to most of the people all of the time. That's wonderful. I, I love the way you put it. Dramatically underdo is is yeah. exactly the same strategy that we followed with user list, which was underdo the email sending part of intercom and, and their user list. So just take that part and do yeah. it well. And that approach resonates with me so much. So sounds sounds amazing. Yeah. I'm, I'm real, real quick. I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned intercom there because um, the, the part of the origin story of feature audit that, that I, I didn't get a chance to get to is, is as I was struggling with those problems of, Hey, how, how important is this? Um, and I, I wish there were a, an easier way to, for us to get to it. Des trainer wrote an article <laughs> um, where, where he, he describes performing a feature audit like that is where the name com- came from because I, was, I I read this and I was like Des this is genius like who's who's currently doing this um and uh and yeah, I've 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 still yet to see a, a simple impl- implementation of it and and that's that's what I'm going for <laughs> we'll we'll see Jane how it turns <laughs> Isn't that amazing that Des, Des Trainer has so many amazing materials and talks about making the product like simple and usable. However, Intercom itself is I, beautiful, but yes. so complex. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. Like how can you, yeah. <laughs> can you do both? <laughs> I, I think, you know, that what's funny, I think the answer there is, can you imagine Jane, how complicated Intercom would be to use if Des Trainer were not um, on the leadership team there, <laughs> um, but but you're right, you're right. I mean, I'm, and I'm sure you know five five years ago, intercom was easier to use than it is today, right? And that's mm-hmm. just that's just what that is just what products and and software software especially wants to do. It wants to get complex over time because you have to make these sustaining what Clayton Christensen calls sustaining innovations. You have to you know continue like incrementally improve the thing and you know, um, sure, it adds a little bit of value, but uh, but not as much as the as the you know the things that have come before it. And every new thing you add reduces usability. So it's a tough balance to tough balance to strike, right? Absolutely. So as a consultant, uh, as a product leader with experience of multiple products, uh, what do you do with the results of that feature audit? Uh, what's your? Uh, do you have any recommendations whether? You can yeah. go as far as removing features yes. from a product to make it better. You know, being able to offer some statistical and um, and and visual proof and evidence that we should just delete this thing. Um, yes. You know, both, both, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Both because <laughs> both, you know, both at, at, at my startup um, and with multiple you know, con- you know clients I've had as a consultant, there is just such a a resistance to remove a thing that very few people are using. Um, 
And, and sometimes, you know, for sure there's, there's most of my company, most of my clients are, are small startups. Um, but I have, I have, you know, one, um, one client who's like has product market fit has been, you know, dominating their market for a decade. And so has some real big fish, um, that are their clients. And, um, and, and the, the thing was, is we know that this thing is not used often. We know it's only used by a few people, but it's used by some extremely important people. And um, certainly that's a separate conversation about the business case. More often than not, um, the, the resistance to remove something is, is like emotional and reactive. And so my, my hope is to be able to provide, like I was saying, like a little bit of statistical um, evidence and, and support for, for why we should do that thing. Let's, let's remove it. Nobody uses it anyway. It's going to clean up our UI. It's going to improve the user experience because less people are going to be confused. So let's do that. The, the other part of it is um, kind of like I had alluded to before, is that if you, if you see that something has high uh, frequency of usage, but low adoption, so a lot of, you know, a few of the people are using something most or all of the time. Well, why, why is that? And how can we get more people to adopt it and um, pull, pull this piece of the product into their daily, into their daily, um, daily usage. Uh, and because, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, definitely helps in terms of reducing churn is to increase habits. And so uh, more often, you know, people feel like a piece of your tool is absolutely essential to their daily workflow, the harder it is going to be for them to churn out um, or to adopt a new thing because habit is a habit's a strong force. As you mentioned, so one, one approach would be to remove something that's not used very much. And the other would be to make your strong points stronger yes. to work on them, to improve the UX and adoption, etc. Yeah, yeah. So do you, do you recommend grandfathering in, or maybe, you know, having, turning on and off features for separate users? That's super handy. So maybe you could switch it off for everyone and only keep it on for those important people who need it. Yeah, that's, you can make a, okay, if there's a, if there's a strong, if there's a really, really, really strong business case um, for that, then, then, then you could, you could make that argument. The trade-off that I would, would be starting from is, okay, well, um, then you're, you're guaranteeing ongoing engineering maintenance for, for, a, for a sliver of, of customers. Now, again, if the business case backs that up and funds uh, that amount of time for X number of engineers, then, then so be it. That's a, a C-suite decision and, and, and fine. Um, but, uh, I would not start with that as a recommendation, um, because it's not as, it's not going to be as easy as it, as it sounds, you know, it's going to be, it's going to hamstring you on future updates for sure. The question is, so you have like a number of loyal users who have been with you with, from the very beginning and you yeah. decide to focus your app and cut off certain functionality. So how, how do you manage those relationships with them? Yeah, I, I mean, the, the, <laughs> I, the, that's a very, very hard question to, to answer. Um, and it's an unsatisfying answer, but I think it's, you know, it depends. Um, one, one, I've, I've, uh, one example of this that, it, it seemed at least from the outside that they did it really well, which is that, you know, for the way that Basecamp froze, um, was it Basecamp two or three? I kind of forget what they've named them now, but, um, but at one point in the past, they froze a code base 
and said, okay, people, if this is where you want to stay, um, stay here forever. Your data, your data stays in place. We're not making any additional updates. Um, here you go. And, uh, but, but we are moving on to this new version and it's going to do some things differently. And if you'd like to come across, then here's how you do it. Um, I'd be really, you know, curious about to, to read a case study on, um, you know, how, how that worked out. But in, you know, in, in general, I feel like the specifics of being able to give a blanket answer to, should you, should you preserve and continue to maintain features that you know are not valuable for most of your audience because you have a, a few people who use them? Like default answer would be, would be no, not if you think your future growth, you know, is uh, most likely to come by leaving those things behind and moving on. But in the short term, you know, how, how do you manage that? That's, that's gotta be so, so con contextual. Yeah, let's not talk about WordPress enforcing their update Ooh. onto everyone and breaking like half a million sites across the yeah. planet. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's not talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk a little bit more about the technical side of your product of the feature audit. Uh, so uh, as I feel like user release and feature audit are somewhat similar because we kind of tap into the user behavior and try to record it and, and do something. You just analyze it and we base off, uh, we send email based on that. But the tracking part is pretty hard to implement yes. and onboard users <laughs> about. Like we're struggling with that because yeah, we require <laughs> manual integration. So tell us, like, what, what are your decisions in, in that regard? Yeah. So, um, so right now you, you, you install feature audit with a, you know, single line JavaScript snippet. Um, on the one hand, that is very straightforward. On the other hand, um, that is not, uh, it's not always super easy for, for my first customer, um, to do either because they're, they're in a marketing role or in a product role and don't have immediate, you know, access to the, to the code base. So, so there is, there is that, um, additionally, um, you know, the, for, for feature audit to work best right now, um, uh, individual events need to be posted in the same way that you post events to Google analytics. Um, and now, so for sure, one thing that I've, uh, it's currently, it is doing this behind the scenes, um, is automatically tracking each and every click. And so on the, on the technical side, feature audit knows if you're clicking on an anchor tag, an image tag, um, just a piece of text, um, or somewhere, you know, random in the, in the document. Um, and so I'm, I'm recording all of those things and, you know, one of a, a, a future, um, you know, uh, improvement that I want to make is is to make it very very easy to to um, automatically you know to determine um, or or actually to to automatically map uh, a click type to a specific feature um, if 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 that makes sense we can dig into the technicals on that if if that's not immediately clear um, but but right but right now Jane yes the you you include the one line JavaScript uh, JavaScript snippet and in the same way that you would post events to, to intercom or to, to analytics or a number of other tools. Um, you, you post a, an interaction as being a feature. So what is the, what is troublesome about that approach? Is it the onboarding part or is it a technical part for yourself or for your side? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just getting it installed. 
um, for the for them for for the customer. And I even you know put even even a snippet, even a snippet, not not to mention a full integration. Yes. Yeah. Oh. I, yeah. <laughs> and well, and so um, you know what what is what uh, definitely increased um, some activation. Um, has has been making the documents be very very more uh, specific on how to integrate with Google Tag Manager. Um, so like most people already have you know GTM set up and uh, and and highlighting. Look, you don't even have to install anything new. You actually just have to log into to Tag Manager and, and drop this in there, and, and boom, away you go. Um, and so you know the the next I, I feel like in terms of you know, me being able to increase adoption on this thing, the next step is, and also you don't have to worry about reporting or posting any sorts of events. I'm going to, or feature audits going to record them all. And then you are just going to be able to go in there and select, you know, these, these click events relate to this, this, this feature, these click events relate to this one. And, and I'll handle it all from there. I think that's similar to the approach that Heap takes. They yes. record everything, and then you decide retrospectively what you want to do. Yep, Heap and Pendo, um, which are, again, like it just plays into my hypothesis. Those are great tools, but very heavy. Another approach, another side and hardship is to decide like what is actually called a feature when you conduct that feature audit. Yep. Let's say... Uh, you're a consultant, you want to come into the SaaS business, use your tool uh, to write a report. Uh, how do you figure out like what goes into that grade? Like what, what, what makes a feature and how many should you track and how do you organize them? Yes. So um, when, when one of the one of the events that feature audit tracks that I that I didn't mention is page load. Um, and so in terms of in grouping and mapping, you know, where, where you can often start is, is at the, the page load, you know, URL level. Um, like is somebody going into the, into dashboards, events, into community? Um, let's just, okay, can we just start there um, and see, you know, like which, which of these, which of these areas of the site, so to speak, um, or of the application are, are most popular. Um, okay. We can begin there. And now let's group within that, that, category or within that um that high level feature what featurettes or what you know tiny interactions um are, are people using um and one of the one of the areas that i recommend um starting with is okay well with our current ui with our current design what are we saying um is the are the most important pieces like what what have our assumptions said um either our assumptions internally or some degree of customer research that led to led to these design decisions um let's let's measure those are people actually using them um and you can start to get a a better sense through the through the data um where how how close to correct uh were we and let's make some modifications there with some support from uh qualitative customer interviews based on that data. How did you arrive at this interesting representation of uh, of these floating bubbles? You mentioned <laughs> yeah. the TED Talk yeah. uh, that we're going to link to yeah. in the show notes. Yeah. But generally speaking, what made you feel like this is going to be a legit and useful representation? Because I think the deliverable is the video, and that's definitely not something that goes into PDF. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it can go yeah. into PDF, uh, yeah. but it's not yeah. very classic. That's right. That's <laughs> Can't right. print it. <laughs> I mean, so, so the um, you know, it, it it came to me 
you know, in, in reading that Des trainer post that I, that I had mentioned, um, you know, he, you know, he has these different quadrants and he's, you know, basically making the argument that as product, you know, product owners, we probably want all of our little feature bubbles to be moving up and to the right. And I thought, okay, um, how, but how would you, you know, you need to, you need to be able to see that summarize it visually over time. Um, and, uh, and I, you know, I just remember that on that brilliant Hans Rosling, uh, talk that's just so fascinating and, um, did a little bit of looking into D3, um, JavaScript library and, uh, lo and behold, um, you, you can do exactly, <laughs> you can do exactly that, uh, which is to show the, the movement of a, of a plot point, um, on a X and Y axis over time, uh, which is, you know, basically all, all this is, all this is trying to do. Um, it wouldn't, I don't, it wouldn't be very helpful or would not be as instructive anyway. Um, if you could only ever see today's data, um, you know, you need, you, we, we, you would want to be able to look back over time and say, we identified, you know, four months ago that, that this feature is high value to the very few people who use it. We decided that we wanted to make it more valuable to more people. Um, how, how have we done that? And let's isolate that one specific feature, hit play and, and watch it, watch it move. I just imagine it can be a moment of joy or a moment of tragedy, yeah. <laughs> for, depending yeah. on how it moves, actually. That's, that's totally true. With this product, what is your big vision with it? Uh, I know you set out to build an under, under, <laughs> uh, under-designed version of, of a heavy analytic tool, but yeah. what is your grand vision for that then? Yeah, I mean, my, my grand my grand vision at the at the moment um, is uh, is for it, you know, just to to be successful enough that I can make the, the migration from um, from full time consulting over to running a running a software product again. Um, and you know, I I don't uh, I don't want to 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 end up ra- raising money on it if I can if I can bootstrap it um, or just get like a little bit of you know, angel investing, then great. Um, but yeah, my my total grand vision for feature audit is that it would never need to be, you know, more than, you know, 15 or 20 employees working remotely or maybe, you know, a handful of us in downtown Lafayette, Colorado. Um, but uh, but no, I, I don't have, um, it, it does not need to be this, this massive juggernaut of a thing in order for me to feel like it, it was successful. Um, I wanted to, I want us to have, you know, very high revenue per employee, um, is the, the metric that I am most, um, most fascinated with, not, not total MRR or anything like that, but, um, yeah, MRR per, per employee is, is most interesting. That's perfect vision lies with my like line of thought very much because making a simple product, uh, getting it into the hands of thousands of people is a success in itself. You don't have to overcomplicate the product totally. for, for achieving that. Totally. So as we're wrapping up today's episode, um, if you were to give advice to someone who decides to conduct a feature audit in their product, uh, what would be a few simple steps that they can follow with or without your tool? Yeah. Um, yes. So with, without the, without the tool, it can definitely, uh, be done. And I would say, um, at least begin, go ahead and begin there. Chances are good that you have, uh, Google analytics already installed. 
um, chances may not be as good that you are tracking specific events. Um, and so start there and, and start at the high level that we spoke about earlier. Um, can you, can you, you know, either as a, using a tree map or, um, or, you know, something to, to that effect, identify the, the major areas um, or features of your application um, that are getting, you know, most of your resources, either engineering, design, or, or, or marketing or otherwise. Um, start there and then drill into, you know, the, the high priority uh, elements within each of those and be sure that you're tracking them. Um, and just and just start there. Uh, collect, you know, a couple of weeks worth of couple of weeks worth of data and observe what it tells you. Um, you can, uh, use, using that data and without signing up for a feature audit or using it, uh, you can replicate what it, what it does and what it shows you, um, and, and begin there. If you, and sure, if you see a lot of value in that and want someone to do it on your behalf uh, for you, check out featureaudit.com. And, and while we're at it, um, if you use the coupon code, uh, UI, UI breakfast, then you can get 50% off for, for your first three months. That's great. Thank you so much for, for the little discount. Oh, sure. <laughs> of course. So if people want to follow your writing, your thoughts online, what would be the best place to do that? Yeah, you can find me at brianray.com. And Ray is actually spelled R-H-E-A. Um, so you can find me there. Uh, you can follow me on uh, Twitter at bray, B-R-H-E-A. Um, I'm not on Twitter as much uh, these these days anymore, um, but you can still you can still find me there and, and reach out and talk. Um, and you know on on brianray.com, um, we talked a little bit about uh, product strategy on the podcast and didn't get too much into to jobs to be done. But that's a that's a framework that I find a ton of value in. And so one of the things that you'll see on my site is this uh, jobs to be done resource library. Um, it's basically my my Google Drive folder, you know, where I've just put all of my resources that that I use, like an interview timeline sheet, outcome statements template, forces of progress template, a swipe file for the customer interview emails that I send, just um, workshop agendas, all sorts of things that I that I use, I throw into this Google Drive document. And so, if anybody wants access to that, there's a, a place that it'll ask for your email address, and you can get access to that. Thank you so much for for sharing that. I genuinely enjoyed our conversation today. It was awesome and I learned a ton. Hope our listeners did too. It was my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Have a great day. 